What is going on, Only Playbook fans? We're back for another episode here. Week 11 preview. We had a pretty exciting football game already transpired last night. Titans, Packers, we'll talk all about it. I'm Sweetcar. I got Shashot, Shovit. Uh, Shashot, hopefully your voice is going to let you get through the entire episode, man. <laughs> I got to be here for the people, man. There's a lot of playoff implications happening. Can't let them down now. Dude, enter the Cam Gigantic. You got to give the people what they want clip. Um, again, yeah, a, a lot of playoff implications, a lot of big key injuries of players that have gone down for teams. So uh, a lot to unpack. Uh, without further ado, guys, let's kick things off with Water Cooler Talk. Finally, we got a pretty decent Thursday night football game. The Titans traveled to Green Bay to take on the Packers. Titans on the road. Uh, Three-point underdogs over under was sitting at 42. Derrick Henry and the running Titans did run away with this victory. 27-17 final three-point underdog spread. Win the game outright over 42 caches. Now Tennessee somehow sitting at 7-3, and three, and Green Bay season may just about be wrapped up at 4-7 and seven now. Uh, I mean, the, the, the simple part about this game is despite the defense that was lacking for Green Bay, I think they had every opportunity to come out and win this game. Their defense struggled mightily, though. You can't have Ryan Tannehill throwing for over 300 yards against you, 333 in the air, two touchdowns, did have an interception, which didn't really end up mattering. Derrick Henry basically doing his best CMC impression, two completions, count that two completions passing, four yards, one touchdown pass, 28 carries for only 87 yards rushing, but didn't matter. One rushing touchdown, then he also caught two passes for 45 yards. So he did just about everything. I went to go back and look at when the second completion occurred, but it was when he was a direct snap quarterback and he threw like the shovel pass forward to the guy coming across. Uh So I was like, when the hell did he throw two passes? But that was the other pass that only ended up getting like one yard. But it doesn't matter. Perfect completion percentage for him. Had a monstrous fantasy day. Uh, Traylon Burks coming out party. Nice to see as all of the other rookie receivers, it seems like this year have had their own versions of coming out parties and Traylon finally having his seven catchers, 111 yards. Uh, interesting to see the pass catchers on the Titans actually produce Robert Woods, six catches, 69 yards, Austin Hooper catching a touchdown pass from not only Ryan Tannehill, but also from Derrick Henry, four catches, 36 yards and two touchdowns. And uh, even though it doesn't really, really matter as much, Dontrell Hilliard had a touchdown as well, which that route and that whole play call was fantastic. Just watching it unfold in on the green Bay side, I mean, if you started Aaron Rodgers, he had a pretty decent day, 227 through the air, two touchdowns. Uh, not a lot of rushing getting done on the ga- ground. Uh, Aaron Jones, 12 carries, only 40 yards rushing. Salvage's fantasy day with six catches, still only gaining 20 yards. A.J. Dillon, non-existent, six carries, 13 yards, one catch, 10 yards. And, uh, you know, the almighty Christian Watson continues to flourish. Half of his catches turned into touchdowns, four catches, 48 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, Randall Cobb comes back from injury and immediately makes an impact, six for 73. Alan Lazard led the team with targets, 11 targets, only brought down five of those for 57 yards. Um, Again, the story of this game, Derrick Henry, not efficient, but when it mattered, they just kept rushing the ball, running for three, four yards a uh, a gain, and the Packers' defense couldn't get off the field. So it was really, really uh, I guess encouraging to see the Titans be able to not have Derrick Henry have his best game, but the fact that he's in the backfield just makes the play action, all of the passing game open up. And it's nice to see some guys actually flourish on the pass catching side for Tennessee. Again, Tennessee seven and three sitting pretty atop that division. Green Bay now four and seven looking for answers. Is their season over or are you guys still not counting Green Bay out? 
Yeah, I don't think you count Green Bay out, but the lack of defense is like, you know, they. I, th I think that uh, Aaron Rodgers was like, oh, probably going to win every single one of the games, and he was very confident with that. But you're not going to do that when your defense is as atrocious as they played uh, yesterday. So um, they're still going to win games, I think. Uh, they still have enough, you know, offensive firepower. Um, but in the long run, their defense is going to be their Achilles heel. Yeah, I mean, I would even take the Giants over them, right? So uh, I, I think there's a bigger chance of three teams making it out of the NFC East than the Packers making it. So it's going to be tough for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, like you said, they may still have some wins on their schedule, getting to play the Lions and the Bears maybe again. And uh, But yeah, seven losses already. The division seems like it's wrapped up, so uh, you're going to have to try to sneak in. Vikings could wrap up the division by week 12. That's insane. That's yeah, great. that's absolutely insanity. That, uh, and we'll talk more about that. But just think about how much planning you can do if you already lock up the division like six weeks before the season ends. You know, like that's that's very very ahead of the curve. Something that Minnesota's probably never done for themselves. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how the playoff scenario shake out. But it is not looking pretty for Green Bay as Tennessee takes the cake now, sitting at seven and three. Couple things to note before we jump into dreaded injuries. The Blizzard game is no more. Buffalo and Cleveland are officially moving into play in Detroit. All of the memes, all of the Devin Singletary's five foot seven, six foot of snow. The amount of recycling I saw that that tweet and meme did last night was a little too high. Uh, so I'm glad that that all gets put to bed. But uh, it is scary because all of the fantasy players that were like, okay, well, in this weather, anything goes. All these guys are questionable. The pass catchers on the uh, on the Cleveland side and all that snafu. Now you can basically start everybody because you're playing in a dome uh, and Cleveland's defense sucks. So you're confidently deploying pretty much everybody on the Buffalo side and you're desperate on the Cleveland side. They're going to be down. So their pass catchers all of a sudden become attractive starters as well. We'll dive more into that game a little bit later, but uh, no more Blizzard game, which I think that would have been exciting to see, but maybe not if you're a fantasy owner of one of the players in that game. The Philadelphia Eagles all of a sudden get gashed in the run for two games, and they were like, no more. No more of this nonsense. After Jordan Davis goes down with that high ankle sprain, last two games they gave up 152 yards on the ground and 168 yards on the ground. So uh, I guess the jury was in or out, if you will, with how to beat Philadelphia, just run it right up the gut. Uh, but you know what they did? They went out and got two veterans. And Dominican Sue and Linval Joseph. Who knows how much those guys still have left in the tank, but the name is scary enough. And again, if they can just be rotational pieces and one guy comes in to spell the other guy, and Jordan Davis only a high ankle sprain, so he's going to be back sooner rather than later. All of a sudden, their defensive line, the the I guess the weak link of their defense is not looking like a weak link anymore with those big, big bodies. Just for some people that don't know who those players are or who don't know who some of those players are, those are two of the top five defensive tackles in the NFL over the last decade. That's not there. <laughs> That's not. Yeah. It, again, they're they're definitely not the players they once were. But like you said, they're they got both of them, and and their starting defensive tackle is going to be back in about a week or two weeks. So it's going to be truly a rotation thing where they only have to play when they're, you know, fresh. And, and that's even scarier when you have those names rotating in and out, especially on second and third down when the offensive line is exhausted. Let's jump into injuries. I highlighted kind of the key injuries that I think will come into play this week. If I missed out on somebody, feel free to jump in. And I'm sure we'll touch them uh, whenever we get into their game that they're playing as well. Couple things, couple guys to highlight. Devontae Adams questionable to play on Sunday. He's been limited all week, but he has practice. So I think that's encouraging and I expect him to play on Sunday. 
other pass catchers, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are questionable and they practiced all week. So they should play. I think there's a lot of optimism from the camp that Mike Williams says he's going to play. Keenan Allen says this is the best he's felt in so long. I know that's probably one route run and pulled Hammy away from him being out for another four or five weeks. I feel a lot better with Mike Williams coming in and deploying Mike Williams than I do with Keenan Allen, just because Keenan Allen, his durability has you know, become such a prevalent question over the last four or five years. So even if you have Keenan Allen and he's 100% playing, I think you're still erring on the side of caution. Uh, I think if you have Mike Williams, you probably feel a little bit more confident deploying him. Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford is going to play, no longer has an injury designation. Uh, it's just going to be a matter of who is he going to throw the football to with Cooper Cup out. Uh, Lamar Jackson also is going to play. Um, he had been out dealing with something, but he it, it does look like he's going to play. Gus Edwards and Mark Andrews practiced all week. They're listed as questionable, but they both should play. So it uh, looks like they're going to get their whole – I guess, you know, what they do have right now uh, in terms of being on the field and healthy. Jerry Judy for the Broncos is officially out, as is Mecole Hardman and Juju for the Chiefs. Mecole Hardman's on the IR. Juju's not playing with a concussion. MBS was ill, but he is going to play. But this bodes a big, big question. Do you deploy Kadarius Toney? Uh, and if you are deploying Kadarius Toney, you start to play the who would you start this guy over game because they are playing against the Chargers who are absolutely awful. Uh, points should be had. Um, how confident are you guys deploying Kadarius Tony this week? Now, Let's play that now. game. Let's play that game. <laughs> would you start like if this was yesterday? I would have started Kadarius Tony over Christian Watson. Probably, it would have been really pissed off. I would have started him over Brian Robinson, over Gibson. You know, there's a lot of players. I think I would. Have, I would even started him. Started him over like um, other number one, like Cooper, Amari Cooper, mm -hmm. like some of these wide receiver ones. Michael, Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell. Um, Deontay Johnson, just the guys that are on my team. I mean, yeah. I would start Kadir Tony over any of those guys. I wish I had him. So, okay, fine. Since I have him, we are playing this game. Out of my receivers, who do you feel comfortable benching to start Kadarius Tony? Because I'm in a situation where Debo Samuel plays Monday night against Arizona. I have not liked Debo Samuel. I'm almost inclined to bench Debo Samuel, but it's going to be one of those where if Debo's on my bench and he goes off, I'm going to be upset. But mm -hmm. I wouldn't. I also, at the same time, he's he hasn't been great and. Um, they have too many other guys. So Debo Samuel's there. I have T Higgins and Tyler Boyd right now. T Higgins is starting. They're playing against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's 31st against opposing receivers in terms of fantasy points. So I think fantasy points are going to be had there. And there's a chance I get Mike Williams back. Who's going against Kansas city. And if Mike Williams is healthy out of all those guys, is there anybody that you're like, you know what, honestly, I'm going to start Kadarius Tony over the, one of those guys. Yeah. Mike Williams. Yeah. Definitely. I'm starting Kadir Tony over Mike Williams. I mean, Mike Williams is a guy who's coming off an injury. And I don't know, as far as the uh, practice is concerned, I think he would, they were doing individual reps. Like they're not even getting in there and uh, practicing with the team. Um, I, I like Tony more than Mike Williams this week. Yeah. From a health, from a health standpoint, I, I'm always, uh, I, err, I err on the side of caution when it comes to coming back from injuries. I typically don't even start any guys that come back from injuries. Like right now, I'm debating if I should even start uh, Mark Andrews because I have uh, Cole Komet, who's a viable starter. So I might not even start Andrews this week. So if I'm not starting someone like Andrews, I'm definitely thinking twice about starting uh, Mike Williams when you have other options like uh, Kadarius Tony. Uh, but I think I would probably bench one of the Bengals. I, it's it's tough for me to start two players on the same team. You kind of just have to bite the bullet and start one of them, and it's probably going to have to be T. Higgins. Um, but if it's if it's down to that, then man, that's tough. I, I don't know. I, I need to look more into this. At the end of this 
at the end of this recording, we'll come back to this topic. Perfect. I need help. You guys need to help me get my first victory since clearly I'm doing you guys a favor. So we're all working as a team. Collusion. Massive, massive collusion. Uh, we'll, 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 talk, we'll talk more about my team here in a little bit. Um, guys, I need to mention uh, DeAndre Hopkins dealing with a hamstring injury. That kind of popped surface out of nowhere. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury said it's not as severe as the one he was dealing with last year. He, it sounds like the extra day of rest because they play on Monday. Uh, they're leaning towards he's going to play. Uh, so that's good news for Hopkins owners. Kyler is still questionable, though. They didn't. He didn't sound as confident about Kyler. It sounded like he was like, "Yeah, the one extra day of rep practice will, or the extra day of rest will help." But he wasn't as, "Oh, he should play," as he was with Hopkins. So Kyler's definitely one to monitor. Um, pass catchers for the Browns. David Njoku has said he is going to play Sunday against the Buffalo Bills. He's been a great tight end in fantasy this year when he has played on the field. And the Browns expect to be down against Buffalo, so that could be a nice sneaky start. Unfortunately, Ezekiel Elliott is back, and it looks like he's going to play. So if you're Tony Pollard or if you're a Tony Pollard owner. Or uh, if you're just anybody that watches football. Yeah, or if you're a football enjoyer, you know, this is just bad news bears for Tony Pollard and the Bears and the or the Cowboys offense and their running game. So uh, I think at best it's probably going to be a split carry situation, um, and it's Minnesota's defense. So I really don't know how to feel if you have Zeke. Are you throwing him in right away? If you have Pollard, are you still sticking with starting Pollard? Like, where are you guys at on that and knowing that they're going against Minnesota's run defense? Uh, Vikings' run D sucks. We just lost Dalvin Tomlinson, like, who's a, one of the best defensive tackles in, the, in football at stopping the run. So, yeah, I'm starting Pollard. I'm starting Pollard, and uh, I actually don't have Pollard, but I have Zeke in one of my leagues, and I've been, ro I've been rolling with Zeke and Mixon for the first, like, six weeks of the season, and it's been okay. Uh, but coming off of an injury, I, I'm always just scared. So I'm going to start somebody else in place of Zeke for one week and see how this split situation goes. I do know that Dallas and the whole organization loves Zeke like there's no tomorrow. So uh, he's going to get his touches. So, um, yeah, I think he'll be he'll be usable against the Vikings. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. I think, again, I have Pollard. I'm still pretty certain that I'm going to start him just because you said guy coming off injury. They're probably going to shoulder the workload if they, as much as they love him, which again, it's so apparent to the rest of the world, how much the Cowboys love Zeke. If they're, you know, positioning themselves for a playoff run, then they probably want to make sure that he stays healthy. So uh, again, they could ease him in, uh, but I would still start Pollard. And then Derek Stingley Jr., man, nice rookie cornerback for Houston, as if Houston's defense, you know, already wasn't struggling enough stopping the run. Now they lose one of their top corners. He is officially out this week as well. Uh, those are all of the injuries I have. Anybody else that you guys feel worth mentioning or highlighting? Um, we'll talk about this in the Eagles game, but Dallas Goddard is in the IR, so he won't be. Playing. Yep. And yep. Uh, Goddard on the IR. And Marquise Goodwin supposed to come back this Monday night. Okay. I mean, not Marquise Goodwin. Goodwin. Sorry. Uh, Brown. Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown. Oh, right. Hollywood Brown. Yes, Hollywood Brown. Yep. That, that we'll touch on those two as we get to the games. That's it for injuries, guys. Let's jump into the rundown. Four teams on by this week, the Miami Dolphins, the Seattle Seahawks, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. A lot of fantasy players that are going to be on your bench not playing. So uh, obviously look elsewhere if you haven't already. First game on the board, the Chicago Bears and the Atlanta Falcons face off in Atlanta. Atlanta at home favored by three over under sitting at 49 points. Um, I mean, I, I, was, I was victim to this last week, and I think every 
person that doesn't have this guy that's playing against him is going to be a victim of Justin Fields. Justin Fields, another field day against the 25th ranked defense against fantasy quarterbacks. So uh, again, nothing is leading me to believe that this matchup is going to slow down Justin Fields at all. If anything, having no Khalil Herbert, having Justin Fields, it should be a Fields and Montgomery read options day for galore against Atlanta. Um, I'm looking at Cole Komet. You talked about him. He's been a nice option the last three weeks. Five touchdown passes caught or five touchdown catches in the past three games. And so I think you probably ride the hot hand. I mean, again, uh, Atlanta doesn't defend the tight ends well, 27th against defense uh, against tight ends. They're defending the tight end in terms of fantasy points. And if there's one person that the ball is getting thrown to at least somewhat consistently, it's Cole Komet. So uh, if there's one pass catcher on that team right now, you're trusting it's Komet. And on the Falcons side, I mean, Marcus Mariota against this Bears defense that, you know, loves to give up fantasy points and points in general becomes a streamable option. Uh, you're looking at the running back side because you expect them to be able to run the football against Chicago, but who do you feel comfortable starting here? Are you deploying Cordero Patterson? Uh, do you utilize the pass catching abilities of Tyler Algier, or is it the Venn diagram of the of the Kansas City Chiefs, but in Atlanta Falcons form where Caleb Huntley is a small little sliver in the middle? I mean, who do you feel comfortable out of these three guys starting against a porous Bears defense? I think Cordero Patterson. He's been a stud. I mean, when he, whenever he gets the touches he deserves, he plays like a number one running back in the league. Um, for some reason, he had like five touches last week, and they lost the game. Uh, I hope they learned a valuable lesson after after that um, that lack of touches situation. I think when Cordero Patterson gets 15 or more touches, he produces numbers that are out of this world. And I think uh, they know that, and I think they're going to try to shift this back over to CPAT's world because he was coming off of an injury, and they were kind of easing him into some stuff. Uh, but I think it's back to him being the lead horse here and um, Algier kind of um, coming in when he needs to. And I think Huntley is going to not even be in the Venn diagram. It's going to be one of those diagrams, but he's going to be like up here. Cordero Patterson is also one of those guys is like Eckler, who's uh, very uh, aware of his fantasy football uh, owner, like, you know, involvement in fantasy football. So I think he tweeted out, he apologized to all of his fantasy owners. And he's, he's also a guy coming off of an injury. Um, like that's why he probably didn't have as many carries last game, but yeah, out of all those guys, I think uh, I like Cordell Patterson as well. Um, yeah, I mean, the upside is so much higher with him. He's like the Swiss army knife for that team. But yeah. And then, I mean, Drake London gets a pretty streamable matchup against the bears as well. Uh, again, if we're expecting points to be had, it means that fantasy days could be nice for fantasy owners in this game. And then Kyle Pitts, you just start him and you suffer, right? Shoshot? I mean, what no, else can you do with Kyle Pitts? Not this no. week. He's Cole Komet to the rescue? Yeah, I'm actually third in that league now, and uh, me and the second-place guy are tied, 7-3. and three, And um, I'm projected to lose by 15, and I'm like, shit, I cannot get 2.5 points from Kyle Pitts this week. So instead of going for the boom, uh, I'm not even going to risk the bust and just start Dolchich instead, and hopefully there's something there. Hopefully there's a floor with Dolchitz because I'm on the Dolchitz train yeah, as well. Right but. now there's no floor. There's there's no ceiling and there's no floor with Dolchitz. So. <laughs> yeah, well, they're the worst worst scoring offense in the NFL, so it's really risky to start a player yeah. on that offense. But uh, sometimes you got to be the ones. So uh, that's all I got for Bears Falcons. Just show take us to the next matchup on the board. All right, man. We were gonna be going to the frozen tundra in Buffalo in Buffalo. But uh, instead, we're going to Detroit. Uh, Browns visit the Bills. Bills are having a home game in Detroit in Ford Field. Uh, Buffalo's projected um, to be favored by eight points as of Friday. Over-under is 49 and a half. Um, so in my opinion, this is going to be a beatdown, probably one of the biggest beatdowns of the year. Uh, Josh Allen has been just 
you know, he, he's been having a lot of trouble managing games. Like we, we talk about all these game managing quarterbacks, all like, you know, these point guard type of quarterbacks everywhere. And if you really think about it, that's his biggest weakness. He's just like a gunslinger. He's a very Brett Favre-esque quarterback in this league. And um, he actually leads the league in interceptions now. And that's just not something you want from your quarterback. I don't even want to say a good quarterback. No quarterback should lead the league in interceptions. I don't care how risk, how much of a risk taker you are. You should never be leading the league in interceptions. Those are just opportunities you're giving the other team. And it's all it shows up on the standings. They're six and three and um, having some issues now. Now they're like seventh in the uh, playoff standings, like or sixth or seventh. It's pretty, pretty outlandish how a number one seed just dropped so significantly because of a quarterback's mistakes. Um, so I think, you know, he's learned all of that every, at the end of every game. He always says, it's all on me. It's all on me. Well, let's see, man. Let's see all the improvements you make after uh, taking all this blame for all these problems. And I, I think we're just going to see a uh, Josh Allen who's just going to come out here and just take care of business. And I think um, some of the things that are going to uh, be relevant as far as fantasy goes, um, well, you're going to be starting Nick Chubb uh, regardless, right? That, that That's a standard. Uh, Kareem Hunt could have some work if there's a lot of passing options available, but I'm not banking on that. Uh, and then the two receivers the Browns have, Cooper, you start, obviously. Um, and then DPJ, nice floor with back-to-back double-digit days. So uh, he's an option there as well. Um, but just be be very, very cautious because the Bills' defense is second in points allowed. Uh, no matter – I know it's easy to see, like, oh, Bills' offense, really good. Uh, that means my wide receivers should get opportunities. Well, that that works only in uh, Kansas City. That shit doesn't work in in uh, Buffalo because the Bills defense is actually good versus the Kansas City defense. So just be careful about how confident you feel starting wide receivers against the Bills defense. Um, on the other side, um, you start Josh Allen, you start Singletary, you start Diggs, and you start Gabe Davis, and you start Dawson Knox. Um, why do you start Gabe Davis with uh, emphasis this game? Well. Some of the things, uh, I think this is probably one of the more fun facts that most people don't know. Gabe Davis has actually outsnapped Diggs in every single game this year, except for the game he was out. Um, so he's on the field. He's on the field. He has opportunities every play. Um, the just the reason, you know, um, the reason he's not leading the team in points or the NFL and uh, receiving yards or anything like that is because, I mean, of the chemistry Josh Allen has with Diggs, but when it comes to opportunities, or if there's a number one cornerback on the other side, uh, Ward is back for the Browns, so he puts up a little bit of a fight against Diggs, which means it could open up things for Gabe Davis significantly. So just keep that in mind. Um, and yeah, Knox, I think Knox is kind of uh, catching fire as of late. He's been getting more and more opportunities every single week, so uh, when when uh, Josh Allen's throwing you the ball, I guess even the tight end option becomes a viable start. Yeah, this game just drastically changes going from snowstorm Buffalo to indoor know, Detroit. Man. And I'm playing yeah. against Josh Allen, and I'm playing against David Njoku and Amari Cooper and all the idiots on the Brown side who are expected to get no fantasy points before they shifted yeah. this. So now I'm just like sadness. I'm just like, yeah. okay, great. This is just oh, yeah. Josh Allen doing Josh Allen things and then the other team having to catch up and get a bunch of Garbo stuff. Yeah, same boat, man. I, I'm playing against Gabe Davis, and I'm playing um, – and then I had Buffalo defense, so I'm like, this is perfect, like evil laugh. And then all of a sudden, like they're indoors, so like that doesn't have Buffalo defense, and that helps Gabe Davis tremendously. Yeah, like if you look at Nidhershon's team, he has Josh Allen, 
he has Don or he has Amari Cooper in Joku and Buffalo defense. Uh, so like half of his lineup was contingent on this snowstorm game. And I'm like, okay, I got a chance here. Weather, weather helped me out. And then all of a sudden, yeah. I'm like, no, fuck the weather. We're going to dome. So yeah. I, I saw you picked up uh Deshaun Watson. Is uh is he set to I don't know if you've already mentioned this, but is he set to start? No, no, he's just starting December fourth. Yeah, okay. December fourth against. Yeah, I mean, Houston, dude, if Herbert doesn't start, I mean, Herbert's been really fucking bad. Like he's been so bad that Aaron Rodgers has been outscoring him for the past yeah. like, five weeks in a row. So, um, I just had, needed some insurance before potential playoffs. Got it. Makes sense. All right. Next up, we've got the Philadelphia Eagles at the Colts. Philadelphia is favored by seven points, and the over/under is forty-five and a half. And the first thing I want to talk about is this whole Dallas Goddard situation. He was the fourth best fantasy tight end in PPR. His immediate replacement is going to be uh, on the team is going to be Grant Calcaterra, which who's a 2022 six round pick who only had one catch for 40 yards on the season. So you're probably not going to use him as a guy that you want to replace. Uh, so if you're looking in free agency, you're uh, so show, you already mentioned Dawson Knox. Uh, he's a viable star. Cole Komet, if he's available, probably not. He's, been very good the last two games. I think three touchdowns in the last two games. Uh, Mike Gusecki, also a guy you may want to consider. He may be available just because of the fact that he's one bye of those guys. But they're in a bye week. Oh, Mike Gusecki is not an invaluable option because they're in a bye week. <laughs> Maybe for next week. Thank you. Good call out. I was, and then Hay Hayden Hurst, um, who is not in a bye week. Uh, Hayden Hurst could be a good opportunity for you to pick up. Those guys may not even be available. So if if not, you're kind of SOL. But um, and then you might want to look at Grant Calcaterra, which I don't know if that's a great. That's a, yeah, that's interesting to me because what's weird is when Goddard plays, the backup tight end is Jack Stoll. And Jack Stoll's caught passes with Goddard on the field. So maybe Jack Stoll is just a complimentary blocking tight end. And even with Goddard out, I expected Jack Stoll to be elevated as tight end one. Uh, but maybe you're right. Maybe it is this Grant kid. It's it's so tough to kind of decide because, like, you know, when even with the Cowboys, when Schultz was out, is it going to be Ferguson or is it going to be – I forget what the other guy's name is – or even uh, the Broncos. So I, I don't know. You just kind of roll your dice if you have to and get this guy. But the guy you're I, talking about, Jonathan Cole, maybe. I think this is rolling like a 10-sided dice when, like, the <laughs> Cole Komets and the Dawson Knoxes are gone. So roll like a six-sided dice and just start Taysom Hill and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I agree. Steer clear of the tight end situation in Philly right now until we know who's going to be the guy. That's a good point. Um, so in terms of this game script, right? So Washington last week controlled the clock. They first forced turnovers. They ran efficiently a total of 49 times to beat the Eagles. And this was we saw live on Monday Night Football, the Eagles accused heel until further notice is their running game. So I expect the Colts to do a lot of that with Jonathan Taylor and their offensive lineman looked pretty good last week against the Raiders and able to run the ball efficiently. So I think the Colts do the same thing. And Jonathan Taylor has all the recipe to have a big game uh, again. Uh, and we already talked about the Eagles signing and Sue and Linval Joseph. So that might play a role, but I want to see that, see these old heads kind of uh, <laughs> on the first game, maybe make an impact right away before I say, okay, the Eagles run defense is something to be worried, uh, to be worried about until then you still stream uh, or you still start Jonathan Taylor with, uh, you know, ease. Uh, 
with Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell situation, so that's a little bit tougher for me going against the Eagles defense. I think that you may want to look elsewhere if you have Michael Pittman. Paris Campbell has been the hot hand, so Paris Campbell might be uh, a you know, start guy that you continue starting. Michael Pittman kind of worries me because of this defense. Um, and on the Eagles side, with no Dallas Goddard, Devontae Smith, along with A.J. Brown, I think will we'll continue to feast. And uh, Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, you continue to start those guys as well. Um, but, yeah, it should be a fun game. Hopefully the Colts can use their running game to defeat the Eagles and have Eagles lose two games this week, this year. Thoughts, thoughts on Eagles defense against Indianapolis as a start? Or are you now all of a sudden scared just by seeing what Washington did against them last week? I, I the silence so. the silence leads me to believe you guys are a little bit worried now on Philly defense. It's just there's not enough evidence, right? We got a new head coach doing some weird new schemes and shit over there in uh Indianapolis. Cold, and, yeah. And now there is an Achilles heel, like Shovet said, like you just run the ball up the middle, but they just Dominic and Sue and Linlaw Joseph are huge pieces that <laughs> they can just stand like, there. They can just stand there. Yeah, they're stand. really good at stopping the run. So it's hard to say. I don't think I'd be afraid. I think I'd start them one more week just to see how these teams go against them. And then after that, then against a passing team, like a passing team, I'm starting them uh, hands down. But against running teams, and I'd probably think twice. Yeah, I mean, Matt Ryan is still the quarterback there. Matt Ryan does fumble the ball. Sack, sack he, city, fumble city. Yes. Yeah. So um, you could still get those points. Yeah. Quickly, let's go to New England, where the Patriots are hosting the Jets in a divisional matchup. New England favored three and a half points over under, sitting at 38. Uh, this matchup, pretty simple to me. Uh, uh, wind is going to be a factor here. 16-mile-per-hour winds expected, which works out well because both these teams are run-first offenses. Interesting matchup, though. Mac Jones is a second worst has the second worst passing grade against pressure, and Zach Wilson has the third worst passing grade against pressure. Well, the Pats defense, third highest pressure rate in the NFL, and the Jets defense, eighth highest pressure rate in the NFL. So I think wind, knowing the defenses get pressure, knowing the quarterbacks struggle against pressure, this should be a run, run, run day. So if you're a Ramondre Stevenson owner, if you're a um, – uh, even a Michael Carter owner, or maybe if you're getting sexy and you're a Damian Harris owner or a, J a James Robinson owner, this seems like a running, running, running game for sure. Um, you're looking at obviously a couple of matchups here. Tyler Conklin becomes interesting because the Pats are actually 27th against opposing tight ends. But again, you know that there is a major bust potential there knowing that Zach, Zach Wilson's a quarterback. And then you look at Garrett Wilson, who's had a couple of really nice games and it makes you inclined to want to start him. The Pats' defense is really good. Their cornerbacks have been really, really good in that scheme. And the Patriots are fourth against opposing wide receivers in terms of fantasy points. So I think outside of running backs here, you're a little bit worried. I mean, I'm more inclined to play either defenses in this matchup, knowing that there's wind, knowing that there's going to be a lot of running, less big play probability or possibilities. And then, you know, the wind, if the wind wasn't a factor, I'd be sitting here and wondering, why is Nick Folk still a free agent? Nick Folk is a fantasy winning kicker, man. Three weeks this year, this guy has put up 18, 21, and 17 points. Like, I don't even think three weeks out of the whole year, Jonathan Taylor has put up those numbers. So I think that's really interesting that the wind is a factor, but this is the number four fantasy tight end or fantasy kicker in all of fantasy football right now. And right now in both of my leagues, surprisingly, he's a free agent. One league, it's hard for me because I'm Justin Tucker. You know, you play the law. God, I can't bench Justin Tucker. But in the other league, you know, barring some other historical kicker that you may have, 
This is a guy that plays in an offense that loves to run the football, that loves to move the ball between the 20s, and they're not the best at red zone offense. And the Jets, again, really good defense, but they do give up yards. So uh, if the wind dies down by Sunday, if there's you know some situation where it's not going to be 16 to 20 mile an hour winds, Nick Folk might have another 10-plus fantasy day with these. The Rams take on the Saints on Sunday. Uh, New Orleans favored by three. Over-under sits at 39. This is going to be a terrible game. The over-under is at 39. Nobody knows who's going to score a touchdown for the Rams. And the people that are supposed to score a touchdown for the Saints don't know how to score touchdowns anymore. Uh, Rams are 3-6. and six. Saints are 3-7. and seven. You would not have thought that would have been this uh, wins and loss uh, at this point of the year for both those teams last year. Um, but so, you know, what I got to say about this uh, situation here is that you should just stay away from the Rams for this game. Anything Rams related, just do not even touch it because you might get bad luck for 20 years or something like that. Um, the reason you should stay away from the Rams, um, they're 30th in offensive plays. Um, so you're not even getting enough touches from your players to even be worthwhile. They're 27th in fantasy points, so you're probably not going to get much fantasy points from them. Um, 30th in real points. They don't score enough, so like even their kicker is not useful. And they're 32nd in yards. Again, they're not moving the ball. They can't do shit. And now we're in a situation where we got Ben Skoranek versus Allen Robinson versus Vance Jefferson. So here is the big, big boy, big football move situation that I would recommend people do. I actually have all three of those players in my other league. And then I have Skoranek and Jefferson in one league and I have Allen in our league. Um, so this is just upside. You don't know, right? Someone's got to get those touches. Someone's going to get those 14 targets a game that Cooper Cup was getting. Um, and it could be spread all along. It could be just, you know, five, 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 or it could just be all Allen Robinson, or it could just be all Vance Jefferson. We just don't know. We don't know. Matthew Stafford is very, you know, it's hard quarterback to understand. He's back in his Lions days now. It's like, it's like, it's like Vietnam for him right now. He's just getting PTSD, yeah. like thinking he's back in Lions um, starting lineup. It's just bad. And we don't know what's going to happen. So I think you would benefit, especially before going into the playoffs, just rostering as many of these players as you can. Does not mean that I'm telling you to start them. Do not start any of them. Please, God. Although I may have to start Allen Robinson if if uh, Devonta Adams is unfortunately not playing on Sunday. I don't know yet. But if he's not playing, I'm going to have to start Allen Robinson. So just keep in mind, just roster as many of these receivers as you can. Uh, because this is one of the few positions you're in week 11 where we don't even know who the number one wide receiver on our team is. And that shit you should not just take lightly. Uh, anytime stuff like this happens, it rarely happens in football. It always happens in the running back position, but it never, almost never happens in the wide receiver position. So just keep in mind, roster all the Rams wide receivers you possibly can uh, if you can. Uh, and that being said, Higby is going to get a huge uptick in his Target share. Um, he was a superstar the first couple of weeks, and then he kind of fell off for two weeks, but he kind of gained that momentum back, and now it's like an automatic start. So uh, if Higby's flying around somewhere, or if you're in that situation, as Shobi was mess uh, uh, talking about earlier, Dawson Knox, Cole Komet, that kind of situation, Higby takes the cake over all of that uh, right now. Uh, and then running backs, please, that's it's fool's gold. Like I mentioned, the, the same thing I'm telling you about the wide receivers I'm telling you not to do for the running backs. Um, I know these are number one running backs just hovering. They're like, hey, pick me, sir. Please, please pick me. But um, no, 
don't pick any of them. Just walk by. Just walk by. Don't don't make eye contact. Just keep walking because um, this offensive line is atrocious. They're not going to get you more than like 20 yards rushing again. Um, so the, all that bad stuff being said about the Rams offense, the Rams defense is actually fourth in yards allowed on the ground and second in reds, uh, red zone touchdowns allowed. So they rarely allow touchdowns in the red zone and they don't make you, they don't let you do shit on the ground. Um, they're 11th in pass yards, which is still formidable. Um, but when your offense is that bad and now you don't have Cooper cup, it's, you know, you're probably going to lose this game if the defense doesn't play top notch. So why am I telling you all this? Well, I'm telling you all this because Alvin Kamara is on the other side and he's going to have a tough game um, as well, unless he gets a lot of catches. Um, this is not going to look good for Alvin Kamara owners. Um, however, everybody else like Chris Olave, um, you just start, you know, you start, I know he's probably going to get Ramsey'd, um, but you've seen what he's done through 11 uh, through 10 weeks of football. And he's looking like a superstar already. So I think he's one of those players that it's become matchup proof already in his young career. Um, unless you have better options, which most people don't, um, when you're talking about benching Olave, um, I, you just start him. You just start him and forget him. Um, Saints offense is seventh in plays run, sixth in passing yards, seventh in passing touchdowns, and twelfth in rushing yards. So they're not, you know, they're doing what they can to keep up in this NFL. Um, they're losing a lot of games, but it's not due to their their ball moving skills. So for that reason, this is my kicker game of the week. These are both teams that move the ball pretty okay. Um, you know, mainly the Saints. Um, the Rams are going to have to kind of keep up. They have this new wide receiver situation. So I expect them to spread the ball around quite a bit and something break free at for somebody at some time, because these guys never even got the opportunity to catch the ball and show what they can do because the Cooper cup was hogging about, you know, 40% of the target share. Um, so now I think we'll see someone do something here and get do enough to get in kicking range. And then Will Lutz indoors has been money all year. And now he's going to get to play against a pretty good defense that doesn't really let you score in the red zone, but lets you move the ball. So I think both kickers here should have a great day. I think one kicker out of the other is going to have probably in, going to be in the top five as far as kicker scoring for the week goes. Nice. Always love a solid kicker analysis. <laughs> Next up, we've got the Detroit Lions at New York facing the Giants. The Giants are favored by three points over under is 45 on that game. The Lions are going for their third straight win, surprisingly, uh, but they are going they're going to have a tough matchup uh, playing against Saquon Barkley against and Saquon Barkley is going against the 31st ranked team against the run that gives up 161 yards rushing per game. I know sweetheart, your matchup of the week last week was Saquon Barkley, but uh, it, it may just well be this week as well. Uh, he's got a favorable matchup against the Lions. Uh, on on the, as far as fantasy goes, the giant on the giant side, um, you may stream Daniel Jones um, because the Lions are allowing 15 passing touchdowns and four rushing touchdowns to QBs this year. Uh, it's that four rushing touchdowns for me that makes uh, Daniel Jones a enticing streaming opportunity. Obviously Saquon, and I also like. Uh, Darius Slayton, who um, had a touchdown uh, last week, uh, I think he had, uh, what, four uh, receptions for 88, 90-something yards, something like that. Um, but he seems to be the guy that uh, Daniel Jones kind of favors. Uh, I like him more than I like any of the other receivers, like, I don't know, Kenny Galladay on that team. Um, uh, fun, fun fact about Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones has completed 145 straight passes without throwing an interception. His last interception was against Dallas 
in week three and wow. we are currently in week 11 like who would have thought uh these this this giants team is just not turning the ball over uh their comp you know their running game compliments is basically their bread and butter and uh just holding the ball more longer than the other team allowing them to be competitive and their defense is pretty good too um on the line side fantasy wise amonri st brown you're gonna you know he's got to be a must start if he hasn't been already definitely is uh jamal williams over deandre swift for me he leads the nfl in touchdowns with nine uh and although uh giants defense allows the seventh fewest fantasy points per games to running backs uh if you're gonna go with one i think you go with jamal williams swift you know he got into the end zone last game um and had inflated fancy points but jamal williams it looks like he's the rb1 as of now on this team um yeah should be should be a fun matchup lines definitely have the firepower but i think the giants uh do cover that spread of three points and win this game i don't think swift knows how to run the ball to be honest with you if you watch some of his highlights he's running backwards sometimes running sideways like he just does not have a good idea of finding holes like it's i'm gonna send you guys some links and tell me what you think because it's pretty bad no oh, man another one of those uh naji hair situation it can't can't be good show sure, it's like i see this on a week-to-week -week basis man i don't need to see another running back not finding holes yeah <laughs> not going north and south we're going east yeah. and west oh man this is the yeah like he's, open, he's, he's good when he you know when he's in the open field but to find the open field he's having yeah. a lot of problem right now Let's kick it to Baltimore, where the Ravens are hosting the Carolina Panthers. Big, big spread. Baltimore favored by 13 points at home, over under sitting at 41. Baker Mayfield gets to start as P.J. Walker is injured. The Panthers' secret weapon this year has been Deontay Foreman, who has been looking phenomenal. But he gets one of his hardest matchups this year against the Ravens' third-ranked run defense. So uh, that is going to probably force Baker Mayfield to have to throw. And what's interesting is... Uh, the Ravens are 22nd against opposing quarterbacks and 27th against opposing wide receivers. So do you start DJ Moore? Do you hope that Terrence Marshall has a bounce back week after shitting the bed last week? I think if you're, you know, favoring anybody or if you have to start somebody and you're desperate, DJ Moore is probably the way to go. Uh, but on the other side, you're looking at Lamar, who should play. Uh, running back situations, a little bit murky. I mean, you probably have to deploy Kenyon Drake just because he's played and he's produced, but Gus Edwards is back and Gus Edwards should play. So he's definitely going to seep into those touches, but over the course of the course of the last couple of weeks, when Gus has been out, Justice Hill or whoever the other backups have been, they have not eat, eat they don't eat into Kenyon Drake's touches for whatever reason. So, uh, because he's producing, I think he, he's warranting a start. Uh, again, if you're maybe Nadershin and you're desperate, you're starting Gus Edwards. So I don't really know how to feel about that. And from what I've seen, it looks like Mark Andrews should play. So uh, I think Mark Andrews is going to be deployable. Uh, again, if for something happens pregame and he's not playing, hopefully you have Isaiah Likely or somebody competent to back him up. But uh, on the Panther side, again, if you're really, really desperate, you're starting DJ Moore. Uh, otherwise, Foreman's probably the only safe bet. Ravens side, uh, the desperate play would probably be Devin Duvernay, but Lamar, um your running back situation you're probably starting both those guys and mark andrews but i expect the ravens to win this game 13 points just seems like an awful awfully high spread but it works into the ravens favor with the game script panthers are better against running the football ravens stuff the run i don't you know i have no faith in baker mayfield to dj moore or terrence marshall so uh the ravens could quite easily pretty pretty much cover the spread at 13 points at home oh man i really hope foreman has a good game he's like my champion he's like He's the reason I'm hanging on in some of these other leagues. I just need him to do well. All right, the Commanders go down yonder to Texas to play the Texans, and Washington is favored by three. Over-under sits at 40 and a half. 
um, Texans defense is 32nd in rushing yards allowed. Okay. 32nd. That's just, there's, there's not a 33rd team. That's all I got to say. And um, so that means, you know, B Rob and Gibson, you're going to have to kind of talk the coin here. Uh, there's really no surefire um, um, start. Uh, I know there's a lot of upside on the Gibson side because of the passing down work. Um, but over the last six games, they've literally had a three game to three game split as far as snaps, who has the higher amount of snaps in the game. Um, and there's no pattern there. It's just kind of like Robinson had like the first two, then one game off. And then, uh, you know, it's just, it's been erratic to say the least. So um, I think it, it's all a matter of whoever takes the hot hand first. And I think uh, Robinson typically takes the ball first, um, at least in the first few drives. Um, and being the 32nd ranked defense, I think this is a great game to start uh, Robinson if you have him. Um, and then on the passing side, McLaurin had a really good game last game. Um, the other weapons are Samuel and Dotson. I don't know. I, I mean, if they run the ball well, they won't have to pass as much. And I don't expect them to pass so much to where all these receivers have a great day. Um, so basically, you're banking on a deep bomb for Dotson. Uh, McLaurin's going to get all the third down work and Samuel's going to do the gadget playing. So it's a whole different Venn diagram here. Um, and um, you pick your poison. But I, I'm sitting with McLaurin and I don't want any part of Samuel. I don't want any part of Dotson yet, at least against the Texans. Um, so uh, the Texans have a pretty good pass defense. I know it's kind of weird, like, right? right? Like, how would you, who would have thought? Um, but um, yeah, they're ranked. Because their run defense is so bad. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You don't have to throw against them. Um, so that by default puts them in the top third in passing defense. Um, the commanders rank 29th in passing touchdowns allowed, uh, which is bad, which is really bad. Right. Um, but they rank third in rushing touchdowns allowed. Um, I expect some of these Nico Collins dudes that have a lot of high upside throughout the year. Um, they've been, they've been shown sparks of some, you know, uh, legit big playability, uh, availability, um, I think they also uh, – I think Nico Collins had like 10 catches or 10 targets last game. So they like to use them a lot, especially in the red zone. So um, that's like my dark ho horse start of the day um, on Sunday, mainly because I expect commanders to take control of the ball. They're going to be up like 14-3 to 3 at some point, and then they're going to force the Texans to start throwing the ball more in the second half. And uh, that means a lot of throwing towards Collins. So um, if you're desperate, and you know, I know we talked about some – uh, flex wide receiver players earlier, like the Christian Watsons and all those guys, I think Collins could have a pretty good day. I know that's pretty left field out of nowhere, but that's why we do this. Yeah, and it looks like Heineke is going to get the start. So another Terry McLaurin season on underway. Yeah, I, I just assumed everybody knew it was going to be Heineke because who wants to start Wentz? Come on, let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> True. All right, that takes us to the Las Vegas Raiders at Denver Broncos. Denver is favored by two and a half points. Over under is at 41 and a half. This is the second meeting of the Raiders and the Broncos. The first one, Raiders won 32-33. Uh, and they're facing, you know, they're very similar in the sense that Broncos have lost five one-score games and Raiders have lost six one-score games. Losing close ones usually points to some coaching changes that probably need to be made some mentality changes uh so you know the, the, they're they're just two bad teams at this point um adams is playing against patrick Sertain, so that's a matchup that i'm looking at adams averages 13.8 yards per catch 
and 87 yards a game. And Patrick Sertain has surrendered just four catches for 18 yards over his last four games. Um, I'm, I'm not saying that he's going to shut down. Uh, Sertain is going to shut down Devontae Adams, but I'm just saying that he has surrendered four catches for 18 yards over his last four games. Um, yeah, the, so, good, the good thing why that's not as important is because Adams plays on the slot as well. So mm -hmm. he moves around a lot. He, so I, I expect them to avoid Sertan as much as possible. Yeah. If they're smart, they will. Um, Fantasy-wise, on the Broncos side, Cortland Sutton is an interesting start because there's no Jerry Judy. Um, so 11 targets last game. He should continue seeing targets. And, you know, we say volume is the name of the game. So just for the for that reason, you will want to start Cortland Sutton and stream him this week um, if he's on your bench. Uh, Greg Dolchik, the matchup is really good for him. Raiders are giving up fifth most points per game to opposing tight ends with 12.2. Uh, Dolchik is a guy that's probably in your free agency because he had 2.1 points last week. And uh, after, you know, solid 10 plus more points per week, uh, two weeks prior, he's, someone may have dropped him. So if he's available, go pick him up. I even like Broncos defense against the Raiders um, offense this week as a, a streaming opportunity. And on the Raiders side, uh, Josh Jacobs, you, you start. Uh, Devontae Adams, you start. Derek Carr, you probably don't. And you probably shy away from against this uh, Broncos defense. Um, but yeah, this, these two teams are historically really bad. And it's never been where they both are this terrible as far as record goes. The last time that happened was like in 1965 and when they played against each other. And the final score on that game was a tie game 20 to 20. <laughs> and so if there's if if you know if, if you want to say history repeats itself this game is probably going to be a pretty terrible uh long game. Yeah, please tie. That means overtime and that means more yards. But looks like Adam doesn't even want to play this game. He's a little scared of Sertan, so he's complaining of some abdominal problems. So, <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. In terms of a game that's going to be a lot more exciting than that, the Cowboys are traveling to Minnesota to take on the Vikings. The Vikings, after beating Buffalo in Buffalo, getting no damn respect by Vegas. Cowboys on the road, favored by a point and a half oh, in, in U.S. Bank Stadium, uh, over under sitting at 48 and a half. Again, we talked about it. The Cowboys coming off a disappointing loss where they were up double digits to the Packers who came back and beat them. And the Vikings coming off arguably their biggest, biggest victory in the regular season in recent memory, beating Buffalo in Buffalo. So uh, I think two teams, you know, one coming in with momentum, one coming in with uh, momentum on the opposite direction. Uh, the matchup in this game is going to be the Cowboys pass rush against the Vikings offensive line. So we already know about the pass rush. They're the number one pass rush in the NFL. Uh, Micah Parsons, um, obviously Demarcus Lawrence and gang. But what's important to note is Christian Darisaw, the left tackle for Minnesota, was held out uh, all week with a concussion, and it looks like today he actually finally took off his red jersey and he practiced. So I think signs are pointing that he will play, and I think that's going to be huge because we cannot afford to have our left tackle out against Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence. And outside of that, obviously you're looking at a, uh, a little bit of a motivational situation where Trayvon Diggs listed his five best receivers in the NFL and casually he left off Justin Jefferson. So uh, talk about the wrong time to make that list after this guy makes one of the best catches of all time and when you're going to have to face him. So I think Trayvon Diggs just likes to get burned and I'm expecting a heavy, heavy dose of Justin Jefferson this week. Uh, and what's funny about this matchup, guys, is this could be a possible Odell Beckham Jr. sweepstakes game. The winner of this game probably has a really high probability of signing Odell Beckham Jr. So um, I know that there's been a lot of hints on the Vikings side with Justin Jefferson talking to Odell and all this crap. And obviously the Cowboys situation, he's been in their rumor mill for weeks now. So 
this truly could be a winner take OBJ. So uh, stay tuned for that. On the Cowboys side, we talked about it. Zeke is back, so you're probably starting him if you, you know, if he's in your on your roster. You probably don't have other better options, so you're probably going to start him. But if you did have Tony Pollard, you're probably feeling better about starting Tony Pollard. At least I personally would. You're starting Dak, you're starting CD, and you're starting Dalton Schultz. Um, we talked a little bit about the Cowboys defense. Um, it's interesting because I have them in my other league, Vikings offense. Um, they've been good, but you know, in terms of efficiency, they're still kind of middle of the pack. So. There's not necessarily a, you don't start the Cowboys defense, but uh, I am a little worried just because I'm a Vikings fan. And again, the Cowboys, if they can't get to the quarterback and if the quarterback has time to throw, the secondary is very susceptible. Uh, and then on the Vikings side, Dalvin Cook should be able to run to negate this pass rush and you're starting Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson. Um, but overall, again, this is really interesting because Minnesota coming off a huge victory at home a place where they hardly ever lose and the Cowboys come into this game as favorites. So something about this line screams extremely, extremely fishy to me. Uh, I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on this matchup. Uh, two things. So one thing I wanted to ask you was uh, wh what did you mean by the winner takes OBJ here? What is that all about? OBJ is a free agent. So whoever, whoever, these are two of the teams that are rumored to land OBJ. So he probably wants to go to a contender, right? So the winner oh, of this game, is going to have a high probability of signing OBJ. Gotcha. Makes sense. And then I was looking at the top five guys that he uh, put, uh, that Diggs put in there. Stephon Diggs, number one. Number two, Devonta Adams. Three, Tyreek Hill. Four, Jamar Chase. And five, C.D. Lamb. So one guy out of all of those guys does not belong in this category. <laughs> yeah, uh, C.D. Lamb. <laughs> yeah. So I think he was just, you know, trying to put, put his yeah. And there's no there. DeAndre Hopkins in there. That's another huge disrespect. Yeah. Two out, two out of the five were biased. It's your brother and then your teammate. So they're yeah. kind of like auto put in, which again, Diggs deserves that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lamb absolutely deserve. does not deserve that. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, it's how many more times are the Vikings going to have to prove the haters wrong? I think after this, if they beat the Cowboys, oh, there's really okay. no reason that this team should be underdogs for the rest of the year in terms of anybody left on their schedule. So uh, I think this is another, you know, as if last week wasn't already a statement game enough, this is going to be another statement game because for some reason, against we're underdogs at home. So that's fine, man. I'll take a statement game every single week. That's what it takes. Screw yep. these haters. It's the NFL. Every week is a statement a statement week and, and it's a recency bias, right? So we beat Buffalo last week. If we come down here and lose like 31 to 13, everybody forgets about yeah. Buffalo. And they're like, oh, the same all Vikings. Oh, yeah. The same all Vikings. So recency bias is the reality in the NFL. So we'll see. I'm excited for that game. All right. Joe Burrow goes down to visit um, his counterpart uh, in the division uh, at the Steelers. And Cincinnati's favored by four, overrunners at 40 and a half. I forgot who I well, whose interview I watched recently. I think it was LaShawn McCoy who said Joe Burrow and Kenny Pickett are very similar. And then uh, Brandon Marshall was in that interview, and so was Chase Claypool, and they panned the camera to Chase Claypool. And right after he said that, Chase Claypool's face went like this. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, and this is after the trade. So now I think he feels like he has more – he's, like, open about how he felt about the Pickett situation. Um, so, you know, sometimes you don't need very many words to tell a whole story. And his face told me all the stories he could tell. It's Claypool. You know, I don't care what Claypool has to think about the quarterback situation. Sure, sure, not, not all not all past players are good analysts, right? And I think a lot of times you see guys just want to oh, be like the hot take guy. 
Oh and that's a pretty stupid hot take. Yeah, I'm not yeah this, that's, that's one thing <laughs> I, I wanted to say is like, I take nothing with Sean McCoy. I, I believe that my analysis on football is way better than LaShawn McCoy. Just because he's played in the NFL doesn't mean he knows a lot of different things. No. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, just kind of wanted to throw that out there. I saw that on TikTok earlier today. Um, so, um, some things about the Bengals we need to kind of take note before I talk about individual fantasy players. Uh, Bengals' time of possession is number one in the league. They know how to get those third downs, and they know how to move the ball. Uh, they're number three in total fantasy points uh, across the board on every position. Uh, they're number five in passing touchdowns, but they're 29th in rushing yards. Another Joe Mixon. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> comes to fruition. Um, yeah, he's having a career low in yards per carries, but he's getting those fantasy points because he gets the rumble in the end zone. Um, the defense has been good. The Bengals defense ranking second in passing touchdowns allowed. That's a huge stat, um, which means you might want to stay away from the Steelers wide receivers. But, you know, this is a double-edged sword. They're going to be down. They have to throw. Who's going to catch the ball if they're playing against a second-ranked passing touchdowns allowed team? You know what I mean? So, like, someone's going to have to score. And I think this is going to be a big fryer move today. Um, I think if you don't have any of, the, any of those players that we talked about earlier, uh, those Cole Komets are gone and all those other players are gone, those Dawson Knoxes are gone, I think I'd probably start Fryermuth even over Dawson Knox. Um, so he's very much um, – I, I know a lot of people probably lost some faith in him after he had an okay week last week. So if he's rumbling around in the free agency market out there, please scoop him up and put him in your fantasy lineup. Um and, um, you know, Fryermuth can't do it all. Sometimes the receivers need to help a little bit. And I think this week, I think the Deontay Johnson probably gets into the end zone. He hasn't gotten in the end zone all year. I think it's about time. Uh, what better week than a team where, you know, you're going against a high-powered offense. You're going to have to score. I'm sorry, Steelers, but you're going to have to score. You're going to have to find a way to win by just more than 15 points. You know, like you can't, you got to score points. And, uh, Friar Moose can only do so much, and I don't know if Najee Harris is going to be able to get you like 100 yards and two touchdowns. So Pickens and Deontay Johnson have to figure it out. Um, I'm in a pickle here between Pickens and Brian Robinson. Um, what do you guys think? Brian Robinson, Robinson or Pickens? Robinson. Yeah, I mean, Who's that... Robinson's playing against a JV defense, bro. Right. There's no reason yeah, not to start anybody against Houston Texans. Okay. Yeah, but the Chiefs, uh, not the Chiefs, the Bengals lose their number one uh, cornerback, Awuzie, right? Yeah. So, um, Awuzie. Yeah. So that yeah. could, you know, mean that Pickens has a solid day. But uh, I like yeah, that's I like uh, Deontay Johnson more than I like Pickens just because of the targets this week. Okay. Yeah, I would. Go... I still like Robinson out of all those guys. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm going with Robinson just because of the JV defense. It's just all yeah, I need. One any and he's a guy that's only been a first and second down back, and you finally saw last week him get 25 or 20 plus touches. So it's like you're riding a momentum of a player that finally got the touches he deserves as a first and second down running back, and he's playing the worst possible run defense in the NFL. Yeah. So no, I, I think that's an auto yeah. start. If there's ever a week to start, Robert, yeah, it's this one. Yeah. Um, but back to Pickens and Deontay. Um, I, I think you know, with TJ Watt coming back, uh, they're gonna take. Um, they're going to take Bengals offense off the field more frequently than most teams have this year. Uh, I know I told you the time of possession stat, they were number one in the league, but I think having TJ Watt kind of 
is going to ruin that for them. So that would mean more time to throw for Deontay, more time to throw for Pickens, towards Pickens and towards Deontay. So I don't, I don't feel too bad starting Pickens. I know, Shova, you said Deontay as from the target's perspective, but I'm going for the home run hitting with Pickens, and all it takes is just one for Pickens. Um, you're going to start Harris because he salvaged the season last week um, in his uh, make-it-or-break-it game, as I, as I called it. Um, so he, he, he made it. Um, so he has to survive a little bit longer. Um, so you're going to be starting him. And then in the Bengals, uh, you, everybody we've already kind of talked about, uh, Mixon, you got to start Burrow. You got to start Higgins, Boyd. Um, you're, you're going Higgins over Boyd. And then you got Hurst, who uh, not many people have the luxury to decide between. So if you have Hurst on your roster, you're probably starting him. Otherwise, if you have somebody else over Hurst starting, he should not be rostered. Yeah, I'm excited. We won that first matchup. The Steelers did, and I think it was week one, one. or week two. Week oh, one, two. yeah. yeah one. It was a week one, yeah. Week one, and crazy, crazy game. Missed field goals. You know, went to overtime, and Steelers ended up winning. And that was with Chase on the Bengals. Uh, this time, no Chase. And uh, we've got – we still have TJ Watt. So I'm excited. Hopefully, we can repeat of what we did last uh, week one. Next up, that takes us to Sunday Night Football. Chiefs at Los Angeles facing the Chargers. Kansas City is favored by five points, and the over-under is 52. First thing I want to note is the injuries. We probably already talked about these, but the Chiefs injuries, uh, Juju is dealing with the concussion, and he is, I think, probably going to go to concussion protocol, whether or not he starts or not. Hardman's an IR, and MBS is uh, ha is going through some illness. So that all means that uh, I, I like Kadarius Tony's chances. Uh, we talked about this uh, earlier in the show, but Tony is a, a good start this week. And on the Chargers side, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, I think that uh, it's a tough situation just because they're coming back from injuries and haven't had a full practice with the team as of now. Uh, so yeah, fantasy-wise, Kadarius Tony, Kelsey, Mahomes, and even Isaiah Pacheco this week is a interesting start. 146.8 rushing yards per game allowed by the Chargers, which is the third most in the league, which favors Pacheco to get more carries uh, over all these other guys for the in the Venn diagram that we have talked about. Mm -hmm. um, and, and on the Chargers side, uh, the two guys that I know for sure that you want to start, Eckler and even uh, Herbert this week. Herbert is not a bad start. Uh, hopefully he can utilize his weapons in uh, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. But if not, then Joshua Palmer gets the start for you as a wide receiver one on that team, or even DeAndre Carter if you really don't have any other option. Uh, in terms of game script, the Chargers are 0-3 against teams with winning records. And guess what? The Chiefs have a winning record. So it's not looking good. Sunday night football, anything kind of can happen, but I think the Chiefs just have enough, enough offensive weapons to be able to beat the Chargers. Uh, I don't know about the spread. Five points, Kansas City is always always scares me, you know, but uh, they should be able to win this game for sure. You know, if, if it wasn't for the injuries for the Chargers and we were just talking about, like, um, their whole healthy team up until now, I think it would have been a close game or it would have been a fun game to watch. But this is just going to be Chargers, like, surviving for their life, throwing downfield and whatever, while Isaiah Pacheco has the best game of his career and just running all over this defense. Yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb and say the Chargers cover the five-point spread at home. The fact that they're at home, five-point dogs, again, Kansas City, man, they're good. They're a phenomenal team, but they don't cover the spread very much. Mm -hmm. And it's, they play a lot of games a lot closer than you would expect. 
it does hurt that Kansas City or that LA's defense is so freaking bad and so decimated with injuries. But um, I think I think they're getting their offense back. I think even if Keenan Allen and Mike Williams both don't play, I think one for sure will play. Actually, I, I honestly lean that both of these guys will be on the field, and that's why I'm pretty high on Herbert this week against this passing uh, pass defense of Kansas City. Let's end the rundown with Monday night football. The San Francisco 49ers are traveling to Arizona to take on the Cardinals, favored by eight points on the road, over under 43 and a half. Arizona has some question marks on their offense. Are they going to be with or without Kyler Murray? He is questionable. Hopkins had that hamstring injury we already talked about. He's questionable. If I'm leaning one way, Hopkins is more likely to play, in my opinion, than Kyler Murray this game. Uh, 49ers defense ranks top 10 in rushing and passing yards a lot per game. So it's not a great matchup for Arizona, who has struggled to do just about anything football related. Arizona's defense is ninth in rushing yards per game allowed. So they're going up against a team that loves to run the football many of different ways. So is this finally the first week that we see this 49ers pass offense uh, become unleashed? Jimmy G becomes a solid streaming option against Arizona's defense. Uh, you're looking at CMC. Obviously, you have to start them. Uh, despite, you know, the workload that Elijah Mitchell got last week, the workload that Elijah Mitchell got last week almost makes you want to start Elijah Mitchell as well. But I'm personally still, uh, tempering those expect expectations. It's a better run defense. And again, push comes to shove. If you're, you know, given a situation where you need to make a winning play, CMC is going to be on the field over Elijah Mitchell. I think that's pretty obvious. So, uh, that's where I'm going to be sitting in terms of those guys pass catching side on the 49ers. I think this week. Uh, George Kittle has the highest upside. He's going against a 32nd ranked defense against tight end. So uh, this is an opportunity if they are going to have to pass the football, if they can stop the run, um, if Arizona can stop the run or at least somewhat uh, contain the run, play action, George Kittle, middle of the field all day long. Um, pass catching side, again, I'm of the opinion because I have Debo Samuel that I'm leaning towards not starting him, but I know that's probably going to be stupid if I do that. Uh, but I have more confidence in starting Brandon Ayuk in terms of the receivers in this receiving core um, because, again, Debo's once valuable running the football situation is becoming less and less effective because they have CMC, because Elijah Mitchell is back and healthy. So uh, because they, quite frankly, just don't have to put the wear and tear on Debo Samuel as a running back when they have two more than competent and capable ones. So I think uh, this is a week where George Kittle has an opportunity to break out. Uh, and on the other side, obviously, for the 49ers, you start Connor because he runs into the end zone. DeAndre Hopkins, if he plays, obviously you start him. And here's a couple of guys that are interesting, right? Hollywood Brown, is he going to play? I don't know if he's been deemed active yet. Uh, that makes Rondell Moore, who's been seeing a lot of targets, intriguing. Obviously, Zach Ertz is hurt now. So do you unleash Trey McBride? Or is there something to be said about Max Williams getting elevated from the practice squad? So a lot of uncertainties on that side. I think if Kyler plays, this will be a you know, a tale of what the next four to six games holds for that offense, whether it's going to be Hollywood Brown is back. He's going to take, he's going to take back his spot, obviously not away from Hopkins. I don't think anybody's taking anything away from Hopkins, but having Hopkins and Hollywood Brown now be, you know, the Rondell Moore-esque player in this offense, but it's Hollywood Brown, you feel a lot better about. And again, they're going to need a tight end to be on the field. So is it going to be McBride? Is it going to be Max Williams? We don't know yet. Uh, so I'm staying away from the tight end pass, uh, tight ends on the Arizona side, but um, it's going to be interesting because this line is big. 49ers are on the road getting this heavy favorite action. I think the line gets smaller if Kyler is active and is going to play, but running the ball against Arizona has been something that teams haven't actually done as well as they would have hoped. So this could be a big passing uh, week for uh, the 49ers against Arizona. Yeah. I just want to add that you probably won't start Trey McBride. There's a lot of uncertainty there. Max Williams, when he did start, he had a solid, solid, um, like, you know, first week, 
week one through five last year when Max Williams was playing, he was a solid start. And then they traded for Zach Ertz and then Zach Ertz came in and, and had like a top 10 season at the end of the year. But uh, Trey McBride could definitely have that role as well. So if he's on the, if he's in the free agent and he's available, I would go pick him up, but not start him this week. Yeah. Also, don't forget, Max Williams is still on the practice squad. He was actually released October 7th, but then they re-signed him to the practice squad three days later. And I, I don't think they've elevated him from the practice squad yet. So we may not see anything Max Williams related in this game at all. Trey McBride season. Oh, wait. Wait, did you mention that uh, Max Williams was elevated from the practice squad? <laughs> I just didn't I thought, I thought I saw somewhere that oh, okay. he did get elevated. Okay, never but I mind. could be wrong. I no, no, my bad. As of like two days ago, he wasn't, but I, I'm sure you made this like recently. Yeah, I can, I can real quick just double check Twitter to see because I don't know. Which, speaking of Twitter, that's also weird because if that goes away, like where the hell are we getting all of our news? Um, but I don't know. I'll double check. I'll double check and, okay, and no look into that. But um, yeah, I mean, again, we don't know. That, I guess the long story short, we don't know the certainty of what tight end is going to emerge on that on that option in terms of that offense. Like you said, there's a reason Max Williams is still there and they brought him back from the practice squad. Again, I don't know if he's elevated yet, but he has been competent. And until the rookie proves that he has understood the play playbook and can run all the routes and, and do all the things that he needs to do to be tight end one, uh, you're probably staying away and just wait uh, in a wait and see mode, I guess. Okay. That is it for the rundown, guys. Let's end the episode with giving each of our matchups of the week. I will kick us off. My matchup of the week is going to be Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert. He is going up against uh, Kansas City, who Kansas City is 29th against opposing quarterbacks in terms of fantasy goes. It is a nice spot for Herbert here because he is slowly getting healthier and he is getting most, if not all, of his weapons back. I think that is the biggest key here is I think, based on everything I've read, that Keenan Allen and Mike Williams will play to on some level. Now I can't, you know, I can't guarantee that they're going to play and I can't guarantee that when they play, they won't re-aggravate their injuries and get hurt. But I think there is enough weapons on this team. Their defense is so bad that Kansas city shouldn't have trouble scoring the football. They're going to have to play from behind. I think Herbert's going to have a three touchdown pass game in him this week. So I expect Justin Herbert to have a nice, nice game. And he is my matchup of the week. Man. I'm just like, can't, I can't wait till I see a three touchdown game from Herbert. I just simply can't wait. Um, all right. My matchup of the week is pretty simple. It's Josh Allen. I mean, he's been embarrassed way too many times this year and he's, you know, I thought he was going to play in the snow and did not think I was going to use him in this scenario, but now he's got this beautiful field to throw footballs in and, um, he's got something to prove. He's got a huge chip on his shoulder. Um, his elbow's fine. He gets to play a really porous Cleveland defense. Um, so I think he's just going to have to prove something to the whole nation that watched him kind of make some boneheaded plays last week. Um, so I think he's going to have to come out here and kind of tell everybody, uh, show everybody who he really is again. So I think we're going to see a vintage Josh Allen just, just destroying defenses kind of a day. Should be a good day. Should be a good day. All right. My matchup of the week is going to be David Montgomery versus versus the Falcons. Wow. No Khalil Herbert. You guys just doing this because I'm sick? <laughs> no. Uh, I'm okay. just putting out facts. I'm just putting out my opinions and what I believe. And I believe that David Montgomery is about to go off. No Khalil Herbert. 
Foreman had 130 yards on the ground and a touchdown last week against this Atlanta Falcons. And the Bears just love running the ball. Yeah, they do it with Justin Fields. They do that really well. But they also have David Montgomery, who's been kind of overshadowed. But I think this week is his week to reclaim that throne of RB1. Man, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I've, I've lost my love for Montgomery already. And I was kind of hoping it was him, not Herbert. <laughs> That got the bad end of that deal. Oh, no. I know. I know. So Honestly, that would have been better for fantasy owners that had the Herbert handcuff. For sure. I, I agree with you. But, you know, you just got to make the best of it. And now David Montgomery will be your rising star. My night in shining armor. Yeah, there you go. It's, it, it's a good time to have one of the committee guys go down and you have the guy towards the home stretch of the season, right? I mean, yeah. that's always a great situation to be in, especially, again, with the emergence of Justin Fields, all of a sudden every week defenses are going to have to be like, we cannot let Fields keep the football and run at 70 yards. Right. And that just means wide open lanes for the running back. So I do like that matchup as well. That is it for the episode, guys. You guys have any final words before we head into week 11? Um, what was the thing that we were going to touch up on later? Was it Kadarius Tony versus? Um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, I don't I don't know. Did you guys have a specific matchup? Because I was looking at my team, and again, so I I talked about my receivers already. I have Debo Williams and Higgins. So if I bench Boyd, right. right? I have Debo Higgins and Williams, but I also have Kadarius Tony. So I'm looking at a situation where do I start Kadarius Tony over any of those guys? Higgins going up against the 31st ranked pass defense. Williams possibly going up against Kansas City, who's 28th against wide receivers. He is the question mark, obviously, because he's coming back from injury. But yeah. some some part of me actually leans benching Debo Samuel. Am I absolutely crazy? Damn. Wow. That's I have nothing like, to lose. I have nothing to that's lose. That's also right? true. That's also true because you know you'll get the volume from the other teams, other players. So that's not a bad idea, to be completely honest with you. Um, the only other thing is I think you should just monitor uh, Mike Williams' injury report. And if he's like full go tomorrow or whatever, you know, like if he's like looking super healthy, then you start him. But if there's still like limitations and chip pitch counts and all that stuff, and then then you don't mess with that shit at all, and then you just start Tony. The good thing about that situation is they play against each other. So if Williams at game time is like, oh, you can't go, I have Kadarius that I can just swing right in for him. That's um, true. Okay. Do you guys have any uh, lineup questions before we end this episode? Um. Cole Komet or Mark Andrews? Oh, I think Mark you got to do Mark, Mark Andrews. Andrews if, yeah, Mark yeah. Andrews if yeah. he plays. Coming back from a shoulder and knee injury, this worries me that, like, he'll just, like, hobble around and Isaiah Likely is going to do the work. But Isaiah Likely kind of sucks. He drops a lot of passes. So I don't want to start him either. I don't I don't want to start Likely at all. So now it just it's between Cole Komet or Andrews. Cole Komet is definitely the touchdown option for Fields. He doesn't like throwing the ball to anybody else. So that's that's my conundrum. That's a tough one, yep. especially with how hot Kolkoma has been. But Andrews is just that guy, you know. He's like yeah, Andrews is the kind of guy that you just can't you can't you can't bench Andrews and then see him put up a day on your bench because you're just like, yeah. why did I bench with studs? You know. Yeah. yeah. If Christian, but, but you can live you can live with Kolkoma on your bench somehow catching one more touchdown pass. Yeah, absolutely. If Christian Watson had gotten like eight points, like you know, just eight. Then, you know, I would have felt more comfortable starting Andrews and just see what happens. But the reason I'm, like, in a turmoil situation right now is because I got to make up that 19 points. Yeah. For me, my biggest concern is uh, Deontay Johnson versus Michael Pittman. But I think this is it, man. I think this is Deontay think, Johnson week. He got, he's got to get into the end zone. He just has to. And yeah. uh, yep. 
he, positive he's, regression. Positive he's, regression. Exactly. Zero. He's like the Godwin. It's the same same boat as Godwin. Godwin, Godwin got into a touchdown yeah. last week. Little, I think a little this little is, different boat is, if you factor yeah. in who's Godwin's getting the ball, ball, but, you know. Yeah, same same, same still, situation in terms he's of getting, no touchdown. He's getting more targets than Godwin is. And so, you know, well, actually they're about the same. They're about the same. Deontay yeah, Johnson has targets the, come to his yeah. hand. Deontay Johnson is like the one outlier to like the target share and like air yard stats because like it doesn't matter how many targets and air yards and all that crap he's getting if the football is not where it needs to be. And if he doesn't catch it, quite frankly, right? So it's like he also has to help his quarterback out. Like his quarterback's already not putting the football in the best places, but when he does, Deontay Johnson drops passes. So it's like such a bad it's such a bad uh, mixture. I don't, I don't think Pickett is that bad as like he's not putting the ball where it needs to be. I think it, it's it's not that. I don't think that's the issue here. They, they're just yeah. calling plays that are for like five yards and for Deontay Johnson, like slants on five or ten under ten yards. And why do, you, why, why do you think they're calling shorter routes for Kenny Pickett? Why it's do you think it's because Kenny Pickett has shown a big arm that he needs to be running 15 yard post patterns in the corner? No, he can't because he struggles making those throws. That's why they're running shorter routes. Obviously, the offensive line, all of that factors in, but there's nothing that's shown Kenny Pickett can throw the football downfield. He did. So last week we he, did. he threw that deep bomb to Pickens on the right hand. Okay. So we're, we're in the NFL that. now. We're in the NFL now, and you can count on one hand the times he's done it. Do yeah. you think there's a problem with that? He I needs think... to do that more than not do that, right? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's like every football game he threw 25 times. Like there, there was that one pass that he threw perfectly in the shoulders. Yeah, one pass in a whole game. I agree with you. So those passes before, right? We're going to Claypool and Claypool is supposed to be beating those one-on-one -on -one situations. He was doing terrible at that. Now that they're going to Pickens and now that Deontay Johnson and Pickens are the sole wide receiver, wide receiver two on that team, I think we're going to have a different scheme and Matt Canada will play with those strengths. And that right. I think you're absolutely wrong, Charlie, but I think you're going to get a Deontay Johnson touchdown. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we just, once the season's over, I'm going to have a Chauvet highlight reel of every week, his blind optimism in the Steelers. Like this against the Buffalo, this is the week, man. If we can just stop and there'll just be a montage of all of this. That's fine. I'll put it together for you. Don't worry. That is it guys. That's the episode. Thank you guys so much for sticking in. Uh, sticking with us for another long, long-winded episode. Hope you guys win your fantasy weeks. Hope your team wins and hope you win a lot of money. Will I get my first victory of the season? You have to wait until next week's episode. So make sure to tune in. Thank you guys so much for all the support. We're the only playbook on the street card that's show that show it. Have a fantastic